scripture says that no man has seen God at any time. How can that be? If no man has seen God at any time, how can he be known? If no one has seen him, no one has known him. Tonight we'll be looking at that question. Can any man or anyone see God? And number two, can anyone know him? We're going to search through the scriptures tonight and see what answers may be derived to ensure us whether or not we can know God. Now we know that the scripture does say that in the cool of the day that the Lord walked in the garden and he actually spoke to Adam and Eve but did they see him in his fullness that's the question and that question is asked because Moses asked to see him in his fullness and God did him a favor and hid Moses in the cleft of the rocks and passed by Moses. And the Bible said that God showed Moses his hinder parts. Because the scripture does say that no man can see God and live. So Moses was hidden in between the cleft of the rocks. And when God passed by, he did see God's glory but he didn't see him in his fullness. And the reason for that is because when when Adam sinned, he became void of the glory of God. He no longer uh, retained the spiritual image of God. He was just a man now, made of the dirt. Now, before God uh, came down at this time, Adam, in his pre-sinful state, may have walked with God without fear. But now, when he sees God, he hides. Uh, Not when he see him, when he hear him walking in the garden. He hides in the trees. Amazing, isn't it? Can anyone hide from God? Psalm 139 tells us, 
If I send into heaven, Lord, you're there. If I make my bed in Hades, Lord, you're there. If I ascend into the deep, Lucy, emphasis added, even there, thy spirit will lead me. Thy hand will guide me. And we find that to be so true in the case of disobedient Jonah who made an attempt to run from God. And we know that God had him thrown overboard from the ship that he fled to. And God had prepared a great fish way beneath the water to swallow him up and to preserve him. And while Jonah was in the whale, he cried out in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, Salvation is of the Lord. And he had a reason to, to cry out like that. In prayer and in proclamation, because he knew that he could not save himself. The scripture tells us that he was, he was at the bottom of the sea, possibly miles below the surface, inside of a great fish, big enough to hold him and to keep him. And if he had not been inside of that fish, there's a possibility that all of the other fish would have eaten him up, would have destroyed his body. I mean, his body would have been destroyed anyway under the pressure of the water. But God put him inside of a great fish and housed him. And he knew that he couldn't get out on his own. And if he did... What would he do? He would, he would, without a doubt, die from the bends with all that pressure on him from the water. And if he didn't die from the bend, then he would have, we're sure, the fish would have eaten him. So God used the great fish to, to uh, take Jonah to the beach. And spew him out. And that was the first Marine Corps beach landing. I heard an old preacher say that way back in the early 80s. That, that, that Jonah and the whale made a Marine Corps beach landing. I, I don't think Jonah was a United States Marine. But uh, being on the water... Under the water, it was it was a maritime mobile, so it may have been a a marine landing in that sense. So, so I I just want you to know that you you can depend on God even when you are running from Him. And I, I think when you know God, you understand that. 
and I have come to understand that by virtue of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit opening my eyes to these truths. So, can you know God? I think that God has self-revelated himself to all creation or to all mankind. I believe that the scripture lets us know that God himself has brought about a self-revelation of himself. And we'll see that tonight in scripture. Let's consider Psalms 19. For David said that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show forth his handiwork. And he goes on to talk about how God has has placed a pavilion for the sun. And, and he comes out and he comes out of the pavilion every morning as a bridegroom leaving his chamber and running a race. And he talked about how the sun runs that race, that circuit around the earth. Without flaw. Every day. And he said that the that the sun speaks. He utters speech all day and all night. And and there's no place in the world where the sun's Speech is not heard. Everything feels or experiences the light and the warmth of the sun. And it never fails. Because we need that. We need that not just to keep us alive by giving us the right amount of heat and and coolness. But what is that? Efficiency of the sun to make the world go around. And I don't mean in a, in a literal sense, but it's true. Even in a literal sense. We need it also to happen to this world every day to bring about the seasons. The four seasons. 
Could you imagine if the sun did not perform as it does now? What much devastation we would experience? If the sun stopped, what would happen? I don't know what would happen. But I believe that one side of the earth would be parched. Would literally be parched like a peanut. It would be baked. Nothing could grow. If there was water and they had fish in the water, pretty soon the water would dry up and the fish would die. If there was vegetation, it would soon be gone. It would dry up and fade away. If not simply dry up, it would also burn up. No water. Just heat. Just hot. Now, man is smart. So, so if one side of the earth became devastated, and if it was slow enough, we'd move to the other side of the earth, the opposite, the opposite side. And since the sun, in this sense, was not uh, making its circuit around the earth, and it just stopped and remained on one side of the earth, then the other side would, would not be hot. Uh, there's a strong possibility, and since I know nothing about science, I'm just speculating. But, but I do believe that everything on the other side would freeze. Because there'd be no heat. The stars are too far away. And and, and if the moon uh, was in sight, there'll be no heat from the moon. There never, there never has been. The moon reflects the sun's light. <laughs> and guess what? There's a possibility that there may not be any moonlight at night depending on the location of the moon from the sun. If the moon was on uh, the other side of the earth between the, the uh, uh, and the earth was between the sun and the moon, there may not be any, any moonlight at night on that good side <laughs> where the sun was not shining, the so-called good side. But on the so-called good side, uh, the longer the sun stops shining on that side, the colder it would become. And I would never make it. I just cannot take the cold. Not right now. I have a, a glass of ice water in my hand. But that's only in my hand. That's not covering my whole body. I couldn't take it. 
and I believe that if everything froze on that opposite side of where the sun was located, we wouldn't have any heat. Because the rivers rivers will be frozen. If there was any if there was any in a type of wetness it would freeze. If the streets were wet, they would freeze. If there was any wetness in the atmosphere, it would freeze. We'd have ice everywhere. Ice everywhere. The ocean on that side would freeze. The rivers would freeze. The faucets in your house would freeze. There'd be no water. There'd be no heat. Couldn't cook. Could not drive your cars. The radiators, the radiators, the engine would freeze. Because I don't think that the antifreeze would be strong enough to prevent the engines from freezing up. That would be terrible. All the animals would animals would freeze to death. All the fish would freeze. All the birds on that side of the earth would freeze to death. All the crops would fail. What, what would we have to eat? One side of the earth is burning up, and the other side is freezing, filled with ice. Human. Uh, 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 stuck out in the ice. We had a a picture of that in Texas this past February. We had a big snowstorm, an ice storm in Texas. And the power grid failed. And in the midst of these these storms, these snowstorms and ice storms, many people died. Some froze. But this this will be worse if it happened. And I don't believe it will because you, you the, earth, the earth will not be destroyed that way. Christ has already informed us how the earth will be destroyed in Revelation chapter 20. And Peter talks about it. The world will be destroyed by fire, not ice. But what I want you to know is that uh, the creation of God reveals God to man. We talk about food having been a part of the sun's maintenance of the earth. 
Because without the sun, you, you really can't have rain. The, the, the sun plays a big part in every, pretty much everything that we need on this earth. You know, we have rain because of condensation. That draws water up from the earth into the clouds, or into the atmosphere that produces the clouds. And then, and then it rains. And, and I look at how God has revealed himself through, through even the rain. And Paul talks about that in Acts chapter 14, verse 17. When he, when he was preaching to uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles believed the gospel message. And Paul talks about how uh, the Jews rejected the message. And as they did in the Old Testament, they do so now even under grace. But Paul said in Acts 14, 17, nevertheless, he left himself not without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. You know, I don't, I don't get sad when it rains. Uh, I don't get upset when it rains. I have joy in my heart because I know uh, uh, rain is a witness from God to me that he is my shepherd. And, that, and when the rain comes, he is preparing food around this world. He's preparing, he's preparing food uh, for me as one of his sheep, filling my heart with food and gladness. Revealing himself to me, making himself known to me, allowing me to know that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is going to make a way for me. He is my everlasting, gracious father. So I love to see it rain. And when it, when it rained, I normally uh, use that passage of scripture in my prayer. Nevertheless, he left himself not without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. No rain, no fruitful seasons. No fruitful seasons, no joy and gladness. But we have it. In America, we don't even worry about food. We have an abundance of it. We throw more food away than we would ever need. But God has revealed himself through creation. Romans 120 tells us that. 
verses 19 and 20. Uh, God has made himself known through his creation. We can understand that God exists. We see the working of his divine Godhead, his divine nature. We know that God exists because of, of uh, because of what we see. Now, <clears throat> we see that there is intelligent design in creation. And since there is intelligent design, there must be a, a design or a creator who designed it. An intelligent, a, an intelligent creator who designed his creation. God is a transcendent God who is imminent. He's involved in his creation. Yes, he's transcendent. He uh, resides in heaven. But he, t- he takes part in his creation. We saw that when he came down and created Adam and Eve in his image. We saw that when he when he came down and talked to Cain about the murder of his brother. We saw God involved in his creation at the flood of the ungodly. We saw God involved in his creation when he delivered Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. That was, a, that was an amazing event. God called Lot and his family out of Sodom and said, don't look back. Don't look back. Cast, away, cast aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you and run this race with patience. Looking to Jesus the author and the finish of your faith. And Lot did that. Lot kept on trucking. He didn't look back. His two daughters didn't look back. But lo and behold, Mrs. Lot, I don't know what was on her mind. I don't know what she was thinking about. I mean, she heard the Lord say, don't look back. But maybe she thought about her, 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 her lovely home. Maybe she left a roast in the oven. Maybe her a bridge club, uh, maybe the big screen TV. I don't know. But she looked back. And God turned her into a pillar of salt. Now, something that's phenomenal about this situation, though, when I talk about the Lord coming and becoming involved in in his creatures, uh, we know that, that he went to Abraham and Abraham uh, talked to him about the, 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 the deliverance of Lot and his family out of Sodom. And the Lord said he would not destroy Sodom if there were 10 righteous people in Sodom. But we see that there were only three, Lot and his two daughters. So as Lot and his two daughters 
were moving away from Sodom and not looking back to the world. The Bible says that the Lord on the earth called down fire from heaven from the Lord in heaven. flabbergasted me because it, it made me see that this talked about the triune God and I believe it to be God the Father in heaven and God the Son on the earth two persons of the triune God here you know Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 22 verse 41 the Pharisees saw him as the Messiah, the Christ. Well, they, actually, they didn't see him as, as, the, as the Christ or the Messiah. They thought he was not. They thought he was an, an imposter. But since they thought they knew uh, who the Messiah was, Jesus asked them a question in Matthew 22, 41 and following. And he said to them, Whose son is the Christ, the Messiah. And they answered him and said, the Messiah is the son of David. And you know what? They were right. But they were not exactly right. But they were right. Because Jesus is the son of David. And we see his genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 through 18. He came down through 42 generations uh, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's son, Judah, brought forth David. And the Bible lets us know that the Messiah would come from the loins of David. And we see that in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. So they were right. The Pharisees were correct when they said that Jesus, that, that the, the Messiah was the son of David. But they were only partially right. Jesus asked them a question. He asked them another question. If David said in the spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He was quoting Psalms 110 verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David called him Lord, if if David in the spirit called him Lord, then whose son is it? I mean, this is David calling him God, calling him master. How can he be David's son? And the one asking him a word. You see, they didn't know that the Messiah would come 
with two natures. An eternal nature as God the Son, God the eternal Son, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They didn't know that. So they were only partially right when they said when they said that he was the son of David. He was he was the son of David in the flesh. When the Holy Spirit wrapped him, God the Son, in the flesh of Mary, who is of the seed of David. So he had two natures. At his conception, he had two natures. He was God the Son wrapped in the flesh of David through Mary. Isn't that amazing? That God wrapped himself in human flesh So anyway, God makes himself known through creation. Uh, and that's called general revelation. I'm, I'm kind of rushing now because i got to get through with this. Uh, there are two, spikes, two aspects of God's revelation to man. One is general. And we'll get to, to the other one in a few minutes. But there are three, as, three ways that God makes himself known to man through that what we call general revelation. Uh, revelation through nature. And then, that's number one. Then he, 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 reveals himself, he reveals himself to us through human consciousness. He makes himself known to us through our consciousness. But what I want to say about, about uh, nature and conscience is this. Uh, I, I believe that God's uh, revelation through human conscience and nature is, is inadequate for man to know God. They, they, they can know he exists, but they cannot know who he is. Because creation is flawed because of Adam. When Adam sinned, God cursed all creation. So it, even though creation and nature make God known to us, it doesn't make him known in all of its intended splendor that became corrupt when Adam sinned. Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that the creation moans and groans until the manifestation of the sons of God. When we receive our glorified bodies, then God will make the creation new again. But right now, it's flawed. It's corrupt. So it, it, it makes God known to us, but not in its splendor. 
it simply makes him makes us know that he exists, but doesn't show us who he is. And and not only is creation flawed, man is flawed. Man is dead in trespasses and sins. So even though he he looks at creation and sees the star, the sun, the moon, and all the rain and the food. Yeah, he doesn't know God. And it does not give God the glory. For gravity. For air. For rain. Man is not thankful. For what God has done. And and then man's conscious... Uh, 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 know that God exists. Even a little child comes to mommy and said, "Mommy, who 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 made me?" I believe that that God had put a a God shaped hole in every human's heart, and then. Know that there's a God. I'm told that all around this world, people know right from wrong. Whether they know the Bible or not, whether they have the Bible or not, whether they had the gospel priest or not, they know right from wrong. I thank God, according to Romans chapter. 2 verses 12 through 16 has has put has placed his law into the heart of man they may not know that law by the letter but because God has placed it in their hearts they know right from wrong without, without anybody having to tell them they know that they have done wrong when they steal something they know that they have done wrong when they commit adultery or murder someone. They know. But since they're dead and they're trespassing and sin, they know that God exists. They know that God has, that, that, that they're the, a conscious that they have to God that lied by. So men, when when they think this way, they don't attribute it to God. They attribute it to man. You know, in Romans chapter 1, uh, God said that when Adam sinned, that he turned them over to reprobate minds, depraved minds. So unsaved man is crazy. He is a sin sick man. No wonder Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse, verses uh, 9 and following, that there's none good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. 
that none that seeketh after God know not one. And verse 23, he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's everybody. That's everybody in the whole wide world from Adam to Zechariah. Because everybody's sinned in Adam. We were all in the loins of Adam when he sinned, which makes us sinners when we're born, when we're conceived. David said we're, we are conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity. David was not talking about him, himself being conceived in sin because his mother and father sinned when he, when he was given birth to. No. Jesse gave... Uh, Jesse was married to a wife. And that wife was David's mother. There was no, there was no sin there. So David was saying that from that conception, from his mother and his father, he was conceived in sin. He was shaped in iniquity because his mother and father came from Adam. In Adam, all die. Because in Adam, all sin. In Adam, all sin. And in Adam, all die. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 22. So this is God's general revelation to mankind. I'm going to move kind of quick now because time is running out. I'm going to talk a little bit about special revelation. Back to Psalms 19. Verses 1 through 6 talks about God's general revelation to man through nature and through what he's created. But man cannot be saved by those things. He simply knows that God exists. Can't do anything about it. He's a prey. That's why uh, Psalm 14 says that the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. They, they suppress what they know. They know he exists. They don't know him, but, it's, but they, they know he exists and they press down the truth. And they worship the creator. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. And they worship the creature and not the creator. For this cause, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Gave them over to insanity. But now, God is gracious. So, in Psalm 19, verse 7 and following, but we'll stop at verse 7. God gives us special revelation. He said, the word of God is perfect. Converting the soul. Nature can't convert the soul. 
conscience cannot convert the soul. But the Word of God can. The Word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. We all know, my brothers and my sisters, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, instruction in righteousness, rebuke. And this is what God uses to save man, his word. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God about Jesus Christ. God uses that word to reach man and he uses the Holy Spirit to convict man of that word and draw him to himself. That's the power of God. That's why it is said that when men were dead and trespassed in sin, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, Paul would go on in verses 8, 9, and 10 to say these words, for it is by grace through faith that you are saved. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Let's then imagine both. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. After man hears the word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts him by changing him into a new creature in Christ. That's called the born-again experience. We are a new creature in Christ. And God does that. Only God can do it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. With God beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. These good works are not designed to save us. This is what we do if we are saved. These good works might be an indication of whether you're saved or not. Now we know that in heaven... You'll be judged according to your works. If your works were good, you you will receive a reward. Silver, gold, and precious stone. If your works are bad or worthless, they will be burned. They'll go up in smoke, but you shall be saved. Those by fire. That's you'll be rewarded for your service to God, for your works. But your salvation will not be rewarded because it's not a gift. It's not, it's not a, a work. It's not a service to God. It's a gift from God to you and me. So, God's Word, the 66 books of the Bible, the 66 books in that library is God's special revelation to you. God makes himself known to you in all 66 books. The world can't see it. The world can't know him through this book. Because only his children can know this book. If the world had known, if the rulers of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and following. Because, because no ear has seen. I'm sorry. No eye has seen, no natural eye. No ear has heard, no natural ear 
nor has it entered into the heart of man, or the mind of man, the natural mind, the thing that God has in store for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. But the natural man cannot understand these things. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. They are special revelations to those whom God has saved. So, special revelation is God's direct revelation to those whom he saves. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I, I just worked out before I thought of this podcast. So now I got my shoes off, my feet are cold, my head's cold. So I'm kind of stuffed up a little bit. And I got a glass of ice water here. So it's, please excuse me. But I'm going to move on to uh, God's special revelation through his son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 says that no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten son of God, who is in the bosom of God, had made him known. When you see Jesus Christ, you've seen God. I wouldn't lie to you. I would not lie to you. And we see that even in the Old Testament, y'all. We do. We see that Jesus is God in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You see, the son was not born. He was given. The child was of the seed of David. The son was the son of God, who was eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. And all things were made by him, and there was nothing that was made that was not made by him. The Word became flesh through Mary, the virgin birth, and dwelt among us. Tabernacle among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Amazing. God showed himself to man through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, he came to his own, and his own received him not. But they hung him on the cross. Why? Because God had not opened their eyes God had not given this special revelation to them. They saw him, but they didn't know him. Man can see God and not know him. We know that Jesus is God because he did what God did. He lived the way God would live. He never sinned. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Not separate from men, but separate from sinners. He was was fully man and fully God. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet 
He never sinned. But as he walked this earth, he did what God did. Only God can walk on water on his own power. Only God can speak to the winds, the storms, and they be at peace. Only God can turn water into the best wine at the wedding. Only God can make the leper whole and the lame walk and the dumb talk and the blind see. Only God can go to the great fire of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth. And he walked out of the tomb. Only God can do that. He's God. And, and, and since he's God, he has the power to save you and me. This is what he said in John chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And, and, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Just in case you want to know, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down and I have, have the power to take it back up. And he did. He said, I, I, I know my sheep and I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And my father who is greater than all, no one shall snatch them out of his hand. And John Chapter 10, verse 30, he said, And my father and I are one. When you see Jesus, you see God. They're not the same person. There are three persons in the Godhead. They are three in essence. Three in the divine nature. Three in spirit, and that spirit is indivisible. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Can't be divided. But but God had made himself known through his son, through his works, and especially his work on the cross, showing his mercy and his grace and his justice being satisfied. Amen? At the cross, his justice for sins was satisfied. That's why I love Romans chapter 5, verse 1, so much. But Paul said, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. In other words, God's wrath is no longer against us because he placed his wrath on his son. God placed all of our sins on Jesus. One man said our sins placed on Christ uh, by by such a great judgment, it was like 10,000 miles of water over his head. And when God punished him, all that water came tumbling down on him. 10,000 miles of water. He cried out concerning his murderers. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. 
They don't know I'm God. They don't know me. And before he hung his head, he said, it is finished. To tell star, it is finished. The sin debt has been paid. From Adam to Zechariah, the sin debt has been paid. God made himself known at the cross in a special way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul said, to wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the sins to their account. There's God, y'all. Can you see him? Do you know him? He says to you today, Here am I. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise the Lord. This has been Percy Garrett on Bible Talk. And it is my prayer that you have been blessed. And today or tonight, if you have heard his word, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Thanks for joining me on, on Anchor. Anchor has been gracious to me and bless me with this platform to be able to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ, the gospel of grace. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty both now and ever. Amen. Good evening. This is Percy W. Garrett. And I am coming to you from the biblical name city of Dothan. Dothan is in the southeast corner of Alabama, just about 20 miles from the Georgia state line. And about 20 miles from the Florida state line. I am just about 75 miles due north of Panama City Beach, Florida. And as you know, this is the great state of Alabama and we call it God's country. I tell folks that God went to Hawaii and called it paradise. He went to California 
and called it the vacation capital of the world. He went to Florida and called it the Sunshine State. He came to Alabama and called it home. And we call it God's country. This is Bible Talk. And all we want to talk about tonight is the Bible and what God has spoken. Tonight comes a little bit different, though. I am going to do something that I have not done in quite some time. But I need to get back to it. I'm going to do a light workout tonight. As we talk about God. I'm going to be working chest and triceps. A little bit. We're going to be working out, but mostly talking. Because we want to make sure that we glorify God. Paul said something to his son, Timothy. He said that bodily bodily exercise profits a little. Not a whole lot. But it does profit some. It does keep the, the vessel strong and moving. Uh, but what matters the most is godliness. These old bodies are going to wear out no matter what you do to them. But the man that, that exercises godliness has eternal life. Life that will never end. And that life does not depend on the body. The body depends on that life. And God gives us that life through his son, Jesus Christ. All right, I'm heading into the fat room. I call it the fat room because I go into the fat room and I beat the fat body into submission by beating the fat. When you beat on the fat, it beats the fat out of the body. So here we go. We're going to do some chest work. And we're going to alternate by doing some tricep work. Ah. So so we're going to do some... we're We're going to do some some chest presses. I'm right, right now, I am adjusting this multiplex machine. This machine kind of works several different things. It can work my chest and my triceps, my back and my biceps. Although we're not going to do back and biceps tonight. We're doing chest and triceps. One, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Ooh, body, body exercise is good for you. You know, I, I can, can imagine that if the Israelites were not in real good shape, they couldn't have made it in that desert for 40 long years. But uh, I'm sure that God had a lot to do with their being able to make that 40 year walk. I went uh, to a reunion a few years ago, and we went to walk around as a group. And lo and behold, most of the group could only walk a few yards before before we had to stop and rest. I was talking to a friend of mine and she said she had also gone to a class reunion and they held it on the football field. And the class was sitting in the bleachers and they they left the bleachers to go out on the football field to take pictures. And most of our classmates could not make it to the center field. And that happens because we we eat wrong and we don't exercise. So I'm encouraging you tonight to eat right and exercise. There are a lot of things we can do to exercise these bodies, to make them fit vessels for the master's use. Let me do do another set. I did one set already of the chest presses. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. All right. That's very good, like a poor man should. I haven't had dinner yet, but I'm pl- I'm planning on having a light dinner. What I might do tonight is have a, a kale and tuna salad. I have, I have a raw tuna. When I say raw, I mean I don't. I'm not going to cook it again. It's already been cooked. Just the, the tuna in the pouch. So I'm going to put that in in a bowl 
and dropped some, some raisins in there and some nuts. I got some almonds in the refrigerator. I have some Brazil nuts, pecans, walnuts, uh, black walnuts, and I'm going to put all that in that salad. And I might even bake a sweet potato. How about that? Now, I did not grow up on kale, but I grew up on collard greens, mustard greens, turnips, and all kind of beans and peas, fresh beans and fresh peas. We sometimes call a certain vegetable, early peas, or sweet peas. And man, you're talking about delicious. You're talking about good to the taste bud. And I used to love speckled butter beans, speckled peas, crowded peas, mixed with uh, okra, and some good corn bread, and a a uh, big bowl of can of yam sweet potatoes. Oh, man! Let me get another, another set here, because uh, this thing is making me hungry. Beating this old chest back into submission, y'all. Trying to get all that fat off the chest. And I want no breasts. Nothing wrong with it if you're a woman. I want a chest. I want, a, I want some pet decks. I want some pecs. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. And I need to tell uh, dads and, and moms to feed our children the, the right way. And don't let them just lay around the house doing nothing. Uh, girls need to do what girls do. And boys need, need to do what boys do. There's a lot to do inside the home for the little girls. And there's a lot to do outside of the home for little boys. Now, don't get me wrong. Little boys can do things inside the house and little girls can do things outside of the house. I'm just saying whatever they do, they need to do more than just laying around the house. They need to be active. We do our children harm when we feed them whatever they want to be fed, whenever they want to be fed, and we don't require them to do what they need to do to maintain good health. I've noticed that when you 
get close to young young people nowadays, they're different than what we used to be when we grew up. When I grew up, all the little boys had six packs. Uh, we had flat stomachs. And we had muscular frames. And and the little girls, they were shapely. They had small waistlines and those kind of things. Small, small shapely arms. But now, uh, if you're not careful, it's hard to tell the little boys and the little girls apart from behind. They look the same. They're wide, they're round, they're soft. Boys and girls, they're soft. And you know something is wrong when you have that scenario. So, bodily exercise does profit. It won't save your soul, but it will enable you to live these lives better. You, You can live a life better suited to be a light in the world. All right, now I've, I've done three sets of uh, chest presses. And right now, I want to work on my triceps a little bit. I'm going to do three sets of these tricep exercises on the same machine. The only, the only difference in the exercise here is that for the chest, I had a wider grip. Now I'm going to bring my my hands closer together, uh, about almost three inches apart. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the same motion I did with the chest presses. I'm going to press, and here we go. One, two, three, four. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Hey, hey, one of the things that that uh, I need to I need to say about uh, the difference between little girls and little boys when it comes to these bodies is that little boys' arms should be bigger than little girls. Uh, we use our arms more in heavy lifting and those kind of things. And uh, big arms are more suited for, for, for little boys and men. Big arms are not, are not suited for little girls and, and ladies. So it all has to do with nutrition, nutrition and exercise. Now, tonight I'm, I'm doing <clears throat> weight and strength training, and that carves the body. I'm, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm just working out. But what I'm, what I'm doing does carve the body. You can, carve, you can carve your body and make it look like what you want it to be.
you, you can you can picture your body in your mind on how you want it to look and take that picture and work on different parts of your body using different exercises to carve that part. And then you can move to the next part of your body and carve it up. And pretty soon, pretty soon you are a walking workout machine. People will be asking you, how did you do it? How did you do it? Look at you. Okay, I've done one set with my triceps. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I can feel the back of my triceps with my hand, and they're hard. They're hard. Hard the wrong. But I'm flexing. When I, when I when I flex them like that, they get hard. Hard as a rock and big as a mountain. Here we go. One more set. One. You want to have uh, hard triceps. This is for young men. Uh, so if you want, if you want to play basketball, to make sure that 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 shot is made, you need to strengthen from the triceps to get that ball up to the goal. And if you are a boxer, you need that strength in in the triceps for a jab. You don't you don't want to hold a whole bunch of fat on the back of your arm because that there's not much strength in that. And the less fat you have, the more stamina you have too. And for the ladies, you don't want to be waving goodbye to your friends who's leaving you. And the last thing that they see waving is your arm, the back of your arm. You want to make sure that you eat correctly. I have to keep saying that. Eat correctly. Cut back on the fat. Cut back on the carbohydrates. And work out. So here we go. One last set on this machine for my triceps. And then we're going to go to another station. And work on the chest some more. I, I got sick one year. And I lost a lot of weight. Here we go. One more set. Ah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen. 
17, 18, 19, and 20. And uh, when I lost when I lost that weight, I didn't realize where my body was being affected. I just knew I was losing weight. I got sick, and uh, I was in the war, and I developed this I developed this 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 uh, deadly fever, and they could not. Uh, bring my temperature down for about three weeks. So in the meantime, I lost a lot of weight. And uh, well, my, my my buddies, when I got back to my unit after leaving the hospital, they they, they, they laughed at me. They said, Percy, what, what happened to your arms? Your arms are gone. I had big, big guns. I had big, big, big arms. But I didn't realize they were, that they were gone until they told me, your arms are gone, person. So I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it for many, many years. But uh, one of the things that got my attention was to get promoted, you have to take pictures of your body. Maybe your physique. And send that to headquarters of the Marine Corps. And if you're too fat, they won't promote you. Until you lose that weight. Well, I wasn't I was not fat. So I didn't have that problem. But looking at that picture that I sent that I sent into headquarters of the Marine Corps. I uh, was disappointed with, with the way I looked. My uh, my my arms were much smaller than my short sleeve shirts. My arm looked like little little boy's arms, and in my shirt, my my uniform shirt. And that really, really, really bothered me. Why are my arms so skinny? And uh, then I began to pay attention to my chest. I looked like I had a, and I did, I have a sunken chest. My chest was like it was, that it, it it sank, that sunk in. So I was still running. I, I didn't. I was not doing any any weight strength training. I never did enjoy doing that. Uh, but I was in California, and a first sergeant friend of mine challenged me to work out with him. He knew I was a runner. He knew I ran all the time. He said, "Percy, if you if you work out with me in the gym, I, I'll run with you." That's okay. I, I took the challenge, and I, I went to the gym and worked out with him. 
And he ran with me one time. He ran only one time. But uh, I got the bug. And I kept working out. From, from the first day I went into the gym to this night, I have not stopped. I built my chest, that sunken chest that I had. At one time, it became a massive chest. Not that big now, but there was a time when it was up there. And those arms, those guns began to protrude. And it looked like the Incredible Hulk. Not quite as ugly. And uh, I was not that, not all that, but I was in pretty good shape. And I'm not in bad shape now, that's old. But I lost that sunken chest. My chest is not sunken anymore. And I don't have bean pole arms anymore. Although I'm not where I used to be when I was a young man. So I'm, I am encouraging you. If you uh in the shape I was in, do something about it. You can do it. Right now, I got these dumbbells. Ah, and they're light dumbbells. I'm gonna lean back on this incline position. I'm gonna. I am on a uh, bench press machine. A bench, a bench press bench station, and. It's in the incline position. So I'm going to lean back and do some repetitions. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Ah. So I'm trying to do repetitions. Uh, kind of beat the old fat into submission. I'm not trying to gain any size. If I wanted to, if I wanted to gain size, I would increase the weight. And I may uh, do that eventually. In not the distant future. Right now, I'm just. Uh, ensuring that the body is strong, agile, and able to move about and achieve uh, everyday tasks. And once again, we want to be able to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Now look at what Paul said to the church at Rome one of the more familiar passages in the Bible, Romans chapter 12. Paul tells the church at Rome, uh, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. 
uh, Wilson Bank is going to a worship service in the church house. It's true worship, and it is, but that's not all of it. What do you do when you leave the building? What do you do when you leave the corporate setting? He says, he says because of what God has done, because of all of God's mercy and providing salvation for you through his son, Jesus Christ, present your body as a living sacrifice. And that simply means this. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all to the honor and the glory of God. Now, Paul, in this chapter of Romans, is telling the church that whatever spiritual gift you have, exercise it in a way of giving it as a service to the church membership. If you have a gift, give it to the church. Whatever that gift is, do your best to give your best to the local body. And in doing so, you're worshiping God. Some things need good, strong bodies to get done. Just going to the food bank and serving food, that takes a good, strong body. That takes people who are agile on their feet, who are able to stand and to pick up heavy boxes and bags. One more second. One, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 17, 18, 19, and 20. Ah. All right. That feels good. As I always say, whoo! No pain, no gain. And pain is good. And extreme pain is extremely good. I got one more set here on these inclined you know, chest presses. Now I'm doing these with dumbbells. I could do I could do them also with with the long bar, the straight bar, but this time. I am simply using two dumbbells. The straight bar, the straight bar is called barbell. It has uh, weights on each end and it's a long bar. But tonight I'm just using dumbbells. 
to get the desired effect. As we work out, we can ensure that we have not done bail or failed. But we uh, as Christians having the mind of Christ do those things which glorify God. Which is God's will for our life. And then it's to glorify Him. Do you know that we're told as Christians in Philippians chapter 2 to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? That's why it is so important that whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all to the honor and the glory of, glory of God. It doesn't matter what it is. Work out your your own salvation with fear and with criminal. It's not that God's going to send you to hell of a Christian, but when you're not doing what he wants you to do, he's displeased. And since you're his child, he chastises you. He chastises every son he receives, every daughter. He chastises those whom he loves when we're not doing his will. When we're not doing God's will, it's not us doing our will, we're disobedient. Because God has not given us that will to disobey. So God wants you to obey him and to work out your salvation. Now, the word how your salvation doesn't mean to do, do that which gets you saved. Or do that which keeps you saved. That's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying, since you are saved, this is how you should live. This is how you should govern your life. If, if a man is married, he says, live like it. Live like a married man. Don't commit adultery. Now, when we do it that way, when, when we do it God's way, we're not doing it alone. We got we got help. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God in you, both to will and to do of His own good pleasure. So God works in the Christian to bring about his purposes and his will for the lives of the believers. It is both God, it is God and you both to will and to do. If, if, you, if you have the intent to do God's will, it is God in you who is energizing you, inspiring you to do, to do the right thing. And if you walk in Him, walk in the Spirit, you will glorify Him because you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me do another set here. Ah. 
do another set. This one this is my last set for these gentlemen bench presses. Ah! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Okay. I'm gonna put these dumbbells up. I'm gonna head over to my other station. I'm trying to catch my breath. What's this? This old dude is out of breath. What do you do when you're out of breath? Kind of like being out of money. What do you do when you're out of breath? You ain't got no money, what do you do? You sit down. And <laughs> you shut up. So when you're out of breath, you just sit down and shut up. And your breath will be replenished. God does that for us. All I'm saying right now is just don't try to overdo it. Do what you can. Right at a good pace. All right now. Over to my other station. What I have over there is a peg deck machine. I have a pull up ball over there, pull down machine, table pull down. Uh, I have another bench where I can do more tricep exercises, dumbbells. Go over here. Continue beating the old fat body. What I'm gonna do right now? I think I'm gonna do do take that, and then come back and work hard on my triceps. But reason I'm well, I'm going to protect that first because I have to change the weight. I have to take the weight off of the uh, bar. And uh, decrease the weight so I can do and take that. And my tricep with light exercise. I mean, light weight. All right, y'all. Give me a minute to get through these openings and grab this wait ah. there we go peg bait machine it has two Yeah, one, two, three, four, 
Women's uh, breasts will not develop muscles. That's not going to happen. 
but there are muscles behind the breast. And if, you, if you're stretching those muscles, as you grow older, your breast won't droop as bad because the muscles are holding them up. So it, it will do women good to work their chest out. Oh, they have a strong body able to lift and to carry. Look good. Look good. All right, you're ready to do another step. Here we go. happening right now. I grabbed the bar on the cable press down machine and I'm gonna do some cable press down for my tricep. And the way I do this I, I grab the uh, the bar in a close grip configuration and I bring it down to the front of my leg and I touch my leg lightly with the bar. Here we go. Y'all ready? Ah. Now my arms are straight down towards my feet, towards the floor. Now close grip configuration uh, of the bar. And I'm going to tuck my elbows into my side. And I'm going to allow my forearm to, to rise up. At the same time, keeping my upper arm stationary and tucked into my side, working only the tricep. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. All right. That felt good. That felt good. I feel good. Not a poor man should. Got two more sets to go there. And then I want to take a one dumbbell. And I want to use it to work my tricep too. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to raise up my folding bench. 
to the sitting position. And when raise up that dumbbell with both hands over the over the top of my head, and while holding my upper arm stationary, I'm going to drop my forearm behind my head and out here my back while holding that dumbbell. I'm going to bring it back up, straightening my arm, and then back down. And that will isolate the bicep uh, rather the tricep. Woo! Another set here. Another set. Here we go, y'all. I got to get it out. I have to get it out, y'all. <sighs> it's like being in church sometimes. Hear the good word of God. And the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart and your mind. And sometimes you just want to shout. You might not do it, but you feel like something. So when I'm working out. I just want to shout something. And I do it. I do that. I do that here in the house in the gym because the one listening to me, you know. I'm gonna do one more set here. Then I wanna to head into the house. Grab me a large glass. Here we go, y'all. Can't rest too long. But those things still go. No pain, no gain. Pain is good. Extreme pain is extremely good. So you can take breaks. Don't take breaks too long. Ah! Pretty good. I feel pretty good myself. I'm going to try to do uh, this other tricep exercise before I go in. Because time is getting tight. Time is running short. I don't want to run out of time on the uh, Anchor recording app. I do need some water. I do need to hydrate myself. I'm going to take a chance and do another set. Ah, this is heavy. This is heavy. Uh, uh, I, was trying to, I was trying to grab my light dumbbell. 
meidän kanssa ei pitäisi tehdä hevoa. Ja mä tuon mä aamalla. But, it didn't. I'm going to do another set. So tricep exercise. Once again, this dumbbell is going to be picked up with both hands. And I'm take it over my head. And while keeping my forearm and my upper arm straight, I'm going to wrap my, uh, my forearm down behind my head with the dumbbell in the hand. And back up straight again so I get enough fat to burn some fat in the back of my arm. Yeah, but no, Tricep has three muscles like that. Most of the time we don't know that because we got too much fat. You can't see, we can't see the muscles. They're called triceps because they have three muscles like that. I'm just called bicep because they have two muscles up front. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, eighteen, thirteen, and fifteen. Yeah. I can feel back the back of my arms now. And I can feel, feel one. Let's see. I want to feel two. I don't know what I'm going on. Where's my other tricep? Let me check my other arm. Let's see. One. Where's that other one? I got three. I got three. Yeah, I got three on back there. Two are bigger than bigger than the center one, so that's why the, the center one was a little bit harder to find. Two on the side, the back of the one, are pretty thick. You have to work that center. Y'all ready? Get ready to do another. trying out a new uh, headset. It's not new, but I haven't used it on ankle before. Hopefully it'll work out. If not, I'm going to have to delete this, this podcast. This is an Apple B headset. It has a pod, gear pods on, on each side. unique but I'm not quite sure how well the sound is in a podcast but I'll see tonight the first time I'm using it in that way when I get done with this, this exercise I'm going to go ahead and grab some water and rehydrate myself then come back and do the barbell 
Okay. Stay tuned. Reset for the for my chest where I drip. My hands will be at least shoulder width apart, maybe more. Then after I do those three steps, I uh, do some tricep exercises with close grip, with close grip position on the bottom. Right. My hand is to be positioned about three. So I, I talk the breath. The Lord is with me. And here we go now. The Lord is my shepherd. I feel like Yeah, work out. You guys went out here because I know the Lord is with me, and He is enabling me to do this. But He puts us together for a reason. That's why we call a church because God has brought many of us together to make up this body. The more we do it together. The more we glorify Him. I don't know why I'm worshiping. If I could talk a little louder, there's no one in the house but you, you and me, and the Lord. It doesn't matter what the Lord is, it doesn't do any good to whisper. <laughs> He's going to hear it. But you know that the Lord knows my thoughts before I think He He, he he knows 